Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight are Liam and John. How are you, Liam? Hi, good, thanks, Jared. It's the uh, start of a four-day weekend here in Japan, thanks to the Olympics, and uh, yeah, it's uh, good times. The Australian in me wants to say, get on the beers, <laughs> and I think, you know, that's probably what you should do. The Scottish and me is planning to do that as soon as we're finished here. <laughs> if you don't do that, then you know you just you're just not living living life, mate. Uh, yeah. a bit too <laughs> too boring. But anyway, how are you, John? I'm very well. It sounds like um, we're on the same wavelength. I'm also <laughs> got a four day weekend. Took a couple of days off, so I'm planning on getting pissed as well. Nice. Trying to alleviate the lockdown blues a little bit. Just get as drunk as possible. <laughs> all on the same, all on the same page. Yeah, beers required. Yes, not right now, but yeah, bring them on. Absolutely. Now, that's a good segue straight away because I think some Celtic fans would have, would have had a few beers last night at the pubs or at their houses watching the game with their families. So we had our first competitive fixture for the season. Where's Draw Celtic one FC Michelin one in the Champions League first first leg of the qualifier. Um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So what I'll do is I'll throw to you first, John, and you can just give a bit of a rundown on the game, your overall thoughts of it. Then Liam, you just add in anything you need to add, and then we'll just talk about it, who our man of the match was and all that sort of stuff. Okay, sure. Um, well, I think overall I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised, I should say, about how um, well we played for long spells of the game. Um, I think, I think my, like many fans, I was a little bit um, pessimistic going in. Um, I didn't, I, I just didn't see enough in preseason to ex- to expect anything more. But in the first what twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, I was like, wow, this is high energy, um, good passing. Um, yeah, looked really, really positive, and I was really impressed. And and that really kept going um, for much of the first half, to be honest. Yes, okay, there's some big highlights. I thought um, Abada getting his first goal on his debut, fantastic. What what a way to introduce yourself to Soto Park. Um, look, I'm sure we'll get into it. Bitton's madness. Um, yeah, uh, so we'll uh, breeze past that because we, we'll probably go into length about it later, but... Yeah, I, I thought overall we played really, really well. I thought some of the young guys that was playing played fantastically. I thought Welsh um, and Murray, when he came on, played um, well at times. At times, I think their inexperience showed up. Um, I think I think Edward was a bit off it, in my opinion. Um, I thought Christie looked really well. Christie was a surprise start for me, um, but then not necessarily. Uh, shouldn't it shouldn't have been? I should have expected it. Um, but I thought he played very, very well. He's clearly trying to put himself in the window there. Um, yeah, overall, I thought it, it could have gone better, but it wasn't a disaster by any means. Yeah, I think um, I think that Celtic could very well next week turn out to be one of the first beneficiaries of the fact that there's no away goals rule anymore. Mm. Um, a one-each draw at home is not the absolute disaster that it used to be. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we were all, you know, when we talked about it on Sunday, we were doing our best to be positive, but I think we all fully expected to get a bit of a doing because we thought there's only going to be half a team out, essentially. But 
you know, we we got in there and we did all right and we really we should have won the game. And there's no question in my mind that if it's the same eleven against the same eleven next week, which it won't be because both players will have somebody suspended. Um but we are a better team than they are. I'm convinced of that after watching that game last night. And it was but for two errors of judgment from two different players are the only reason we didn't win that game. Because I think we could have gone on and won it by two or three, if not for the sending off. And then, of course, well, <laughs> Barkas is Barkas, you know. Mm. Yeah, so for me, looking at that, if this game had ended three or four nil to Celtic, it wouldn't have looked out of out of whack for what was happening. Like you just said there, Liam, we all thought we were in for a bit of a doing, and I was shaking my head like an absolute menace, <laughs> if you guys could see. I knew it was going to be a close game. I actually mm. put up a post yesterday in our Facebook group before it saying, what are you all thinking, feeling in the game? I reckon it's going to be a close one. I didn't think we were going to get flogged. I thought it probably there'd be a goal in it. That's what I was thinking. So, mm. as you said, no away goals, one all draw. I'm happy with that at the end of the day. Um, what I found kind of funny, when you look at the stats on the game, like I know I'm not a massive, not a massive stat head here, but 16 shots to three in our favour. Four on target to one. 63% possession. We had over 210 more passes than them. Pass accuracy was 15% better. They had more yellows. We had, more, we had the same amount of reds. <laughs> they had a bunch of offsides and we had more corners. So looking at that there, I'm not too worried going into their game. The game over there next week, I think it's still cl- going to be a close one. I don't think we'll go over there and absolutely pump them, but it's still winnable. And a couple of key points that you touched on, John, that I'll just throw into now. But we hit the bar, we hit, hit the crossbar, we hit the post. Edward absolutely fluffed the sitter. So there's a few chances plus the one we got. On top of that, there was the Bitton incident. So we'll discuss that one now, and then then we'll discuss old cabbage hands a bit later. So <laughs> what was your take on the Bitton incident, John? Um, I, I thought it was appalling, to be honest. Um, and, and I said this on Twitter today. I said he's supposed to be one of the experienced players in our squad at the moment. I mean, the amount of 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds that we have in that squad, he's, what is he, 28, 29? He's supposed to be experienced and leading by example. And that's just atrocious behavior. Um, I it, Look, as, as much as you might want to argue that um, the Michelin player was offside, whatever. that Bitton put his finger into somebody's face, all right, his forehead, but he, he, he effectively assaulted somebody softly. But it was it's an assault, right? That's, that It could have been easily a straight red. I, the second he did that, I'm like, right, that's him off. Brilliant. I, I, I just think... I just, I just think that's just a appalling behaviour by any player, to be honest. I, I wouldn't have, I was shocked by it, um, to be honest. And the whole game turned at that point, to be honest, for me. Um, I think we lost a lot of our impetus, lost a lot, um, a lot of our flow was gone. Um, yeah, the whole game just shifted at that point. So, yeah, I, I, I just, um, I was dead shocked by Bitton's reaction. Um, 
Yeah, it was it was very out of character as well. Because I know he's he got sent off in the Rangers game as well. But overall, when we've seen Beton playing for extended periods of times, so he's he's not he's not acted that way. Um, so yeah, so I I was I was um, not best pleased at all. And he's and he's really he's potentially screwed it for the next leg as well. He's probably going to have to play Murray and Wilsh again, two inexperienced centre backs. Yeah, it's um, it is a moment, and it is merely a moment of, of utter stupidity. But it one moment can define a game. You know, if you think back to last season when we played um, Fernschwaros. The, you know, we're up the park pushing for an equaliser and I think it was El Hamed slips and suddenly they're in and that was the one moment where the whole game just turned in its head and the same thing happened last night we were dominating them and we were probably going to score two or three until now, the Michelin guy was an absolute fanny, okay, no question he was rolling about as if he'd been shot when I don't think he even get touched. But you cannot raise any part of your hand to an opposing player in a professional football match. And Beaton needs to be better than that. I wonder, and I'm not defending him at all here, but I wonder if it will come out in the next couple of days that something was said to him that triggered that because it was so uncharacteristic um, for him to do that. I wonder if something, you know, an insult that's untoward was said that made him do that. Because I, I don't think he's just going to do that out of out of nothing, you know? I've seen all sorts of stuff on that front, Liam. we got people on Twitter saying the same thing you said there. It's got to have been insulted. There's other people saying it's got to have been from that head knock earlier. He, was, he must have been concussed, all this sort of stuff. End of the day, I don't care that the guy was either offside and then he dove. That's irrelevant in this situation. At the end of the day, it all comes down to the rules of the rules. And if he had turned around, pushed that bloke, like they had a little little push and had some words, whatever, pointed at him saying, you're a dick, stop diving, and didn't touch his touch him at all, fine. Mm. You could live with that. That's actually good because he's pulling someone up and putting them in their place and making the linesman and the referee and everything aware that the guy just dove and tried to – fool them to get a penalty and get him sent off. But the fact to turn around and actually go at him a second time with the finger and hit the guy in the, in the forehead, as soon as he did that, I'm like, you've just, you've just, you just fucked it, Beton. Like, there's no other option but go for an early shower. Hmm. Now, the silver lining, and I'm going to, people may say I'm being a bit positive here. Um, Murray, when he come on, I don't think he did anything wrong for the whole game. For me, I thought he'd come on, did his job, and he's been doing well during preseason. And if it's got to be Murray and Welsh next week, the only positive is, is those two are the same age and have grown up playing together as a centre-back pairing pretty much for the last four or five years. So they've got many, many, many games together as a pairing, and they know how each other works. So I would rather go in with that, even though they're young, go in with a pairing that know how to play together than to say suddenly, oh, um, Beton's out. Yeah, so let's just drop a midfielder in there or let's um, 
let's quickly, if we sign a centre back, let's just brush him in off one day's training. It has no idea how we work, how we play, and how him and Walsh would match up. So, yeah, that's that's my take on it. What do you guys think of that? I think I think my concern um, is maybe against stronger opposition. Uh, Welsh and Murray might get shown up a little bit. Um, I think Mitchell and are clearly in a weak position now as well. Like like I'm gonna have to be proven wrong in that. Like I, it sounds bad, but like I'm I don't have much confidence in the two at the moment. I would I would be happier if Welsh was there with Julian, for instance. And there's a bit of like you know learning from a senior. But look, I don't think we have a choice. I, I'm only I think about Michelin game. I'm not talking about long term. Further on, yeah, yeah. Look, I, for the next the next week, because where we are and um, transfers and whatever, who knows? You know, Ayer is pretty much gone. All right, he's out the door. He's passed the medical, done. So he'll be that'll be all signed off and announced shortly. Julian's still not back yet. You've got Shaw can play centre back. Would you put him in there with Welsh? He's just as young as Murray. Yeah. Would you put Eric Giddy in there who can play centre back? Or would you put Murray in there? Yeah. If those are your options, Murray's the best option because he's got that partnership for years with Welsh. That's my whole theory if we've got to go with what we've got. I agree. I agree. And there's only there's only a couple of things I think we need to bring up about Biton. And the first one is I've, and we, it very much translates into Barkas as well, but there's a lot of Celtic fans which have now just written them off. Don't want to see him in a Celtic shirt ever again. And I think that's such a um, volatile reaction to somebody getting sent off in a game. Like, like, yeah, okay, he fucked it for that game. He did. But to then just to write him off completely and so say never want to see him in a shirt, I think that's just a, I think that's too far. I think that's an emotional reaction. Give him better of the doubt. You know, I don't think we're in a luxury position to be saying Beton's never playing again. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up is, and a little bit darker, is some of the nastier comments we've been seeing on social media, which is calling him a Zionist this and a Zionist that and using it as a slur. And I, I just find that language absolutely appalling because that's just bigotry, completely out of yeah. order. It's complete, and if if any Celtic fans calling Biton a Zionist for for just having a red flash moment, are the same people that then slag English fans for booing national anthems and booing taking the knee, then you're a hypocrite, and you're a disgusting bigot. So I think we should just cut that out. It's a minority on social media, but it's too big of a minority in my opinion. So a bunch of of keyboard warriors. That's all they are. But it's still no place for it. Absolutely disgusting, but those are the only yeah, other things I thought we should pick up. That needs to be called out, and I would at wholeheartedly. I mean, you know my political position on Israel, but that that that's totally out of order. It's totally out of order. It is. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, just not quite as dark as that, but looking at the negative side of the fan reaction to to the result. I tell you, I wish I was a mattress salesman in Glasgow because the amount of bloody bedwetters I saw on the, on social media this morning. Fucking hell. It's like, you know, we drew a game that a lot of the support expected us to lose because by our own admission, the manager's only got about half the team he wants at the moment, if even that. Um, I think and we played very good football. 
I love what Big Ange had to say for himself after the game. I really liked his attitude and his response and the way he's got us trying to play. It's it's so similar to the way Yokohama play. And I wasn't sure if it would work with Celtic, but after last night, I think it will. I think it will. And I'm excited to see what happens when he's able to do it with a, with a, with a, a team that's entirely of his own making. We are official members of the Big Ange gang. Get on board. Yes. <laughs> we also spoke about another major incident that happened in the game. Call him Cabbage Hands for a reason. <laughs> and Barkas did not let us down at all. Although he did let us down because he put his hands out for the ball and then pulled them back and the ball went off the back post. <laughs> hmm. Mr. Flapper, um, eh? Cabbage hands. In light of his background, shouldn't it be Dolmade's fingers? <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to say his words. Like, <laughs> there's so many words to describe that goalkeeping moment. And, yeah, it's just disgusting, pathetic goalkeeping, in my opinion. Like, It's non-goalkeeping. It's literally the standing there and watching the ball fly over your head. The fact that he's getting a wage paid to him to be a goalkeeper... And he's openly said previously when he grew up, he didn't want to be a goalkeeper. He wanted to be a midfielder. And then the ball comes in and he, any goalkeeper worth their weight would take two steps forward and either punch that ball or catch that ball. And he took one step forward with his hands up and then it's like, oh, no, and pulls his hands down. Pathetic goalkeeper. And I'm on the record for the last – 18, however many months this podcast been running, as I'm not a fan of Scott Bain. But even Bain couldn't have been worse than that last night. Like, If that's what we're going to get dished up from, from Barkas, and this ties into what you said earlier, John, that I wanted to tie into. Players who people have said should never wear a Celtic shirt again. I could put a list. You've got Griffiths. You've got Barkas. You've got, well, some people have said Bain. We've got Bitton. Should I keep going or not? Because it's five. <laughs> Christie, Ayer, Edward. There you go. There's eight players. Yet we've only got how many players currently in the squad? This is it. So there's that reaction. But at the same time, if, if Barkas is going to dish up that, then I would rather have Hazard in goal then have another incident like that. I don't want to write him off, but the old baseball thing, three strikes and you're out, well, to me, is borderline there now. I'd love to get your take on it, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it was an, it was just a atrocious goalkeeping, to be honest. Um, I think that's the buzzword of the day. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when I was watching it. I, I could almost feel it coming. I thought, oh, this is a good opportunity. And I just don't have confidence in Barkas. Um, what, interestingly, I think whether um, Barkas becomes good or not, I don't think Celtic fans are ever going to give, well, a lot of Celtic fans are ever going to give him a bye. I think, I think even if he comes good, I think he's just one of those players now, which um, that's him. I think he's done at Celtic. But bit like Hendry, you know what I mean? Came in, had a couple of games. Some people fancied him, some people didn't, and that was him. He was just—he was just never given a chance again. I think that's Barkas, to be honest. Now there was there was one thing 
that um, was put on um, the Twitter page Celtic by Numbers, um, where they asked a goalkeeping analyst what he thought of it. And I'll just read what he says, because <laughs> I don't believe this in it for a second. But he says, number one, it's not horrendous. The goalkeeper would want to save it, obviously. <laughs> but it's whipped in so fast and goes in off the post. Well, yeah, that's just a description of the goal. That's not... <laughs> that's <laughs> Not, no an analysis there. And then he says the other point is, which is the goalkeeper makes the cardinal sin of trying to punch a swerving shot. Goalkeeper shouldn't do this as punchers have a smaller surface area. Blah blah blah. Um, but I mean, I, I, look, I think that's a, I think that's a really valid point. If he did try and punch it, and then he pulled the, the punch out, then like that's just rookie mistakes, and we just don't have uh, the opportunity to be making rookie mistakes. What we want from a Celtic goalkeeper is to get the basics spot on. And then everything else is a bonus. And he just, Barcaster doesn't have the basics, in my opinion. Can I just jump in and say two things off the back of that quote? Because I hadn't heard that before. One, if he's, if he's not supposed to punch it, then his two options are go and claim the thing or stay on your line and put a guy on your back post who should be there to clear that. Yep. So if he's just rifled a shot in, it's gone past him and in off the back post, there's your two solutions. So what he said is irrelevant. Anyway, over to you, Liam. <laughs> uh, it's either bad goalkeeping or bad organisation. Either way, it's bad. But I'm going to have to learn to keep my mouth shut because if you remember last our last show, I said to Sean, I said, Barkas has not impressed anybody, but I don't remember making any glaring mistakes that cost <laughs> us a match. So Boom, it's you. There you go. You f- <laughs> Oh, it's all you, Liam. I'm just, just going to find a quiet corner and commit seppuku. Excuse me. <laughs> right, okay. Sit in the naughty corner and take Barkas with you. Uh, oh, you jinxed it, mate. Friggin' jinxed it. I, I, I think I think you made the point, Jared. Like, uh, I I don't think Bain's making that mistake. I just don't. I think he's got more. Con- I, like, I'm not saying he's a fantastic keeper, but. I don't know. I think he's got more confidence in the box. I think. Uh, I, I, I think. If, I think. I think if you need a goalkeeper to be building your confidence up at this point, is is worrying. And if something as small as that is going to knock confidence, then, like, I think he's just done. I just. I just think. Look, I, I think we're also going to have this problem for at least six months into the next window. I don't think we'll be going to get a goalkeeper this window. I think we'll be lucky to get three players in, more players in in this window. Uh, so goalkeeper, I don't think it's going to be one of them. But maybe in January, maybe next summer, who knows? So three more players plus the two apparently already on their way. Is that what you're saying? Or I, I think them? so. I think so. Look, I think I think a right back has to come in. I don't think there's any chance that a right back's not coming in. And if Edward is off, then I think another one's going to be a centre forward striker. Um, yep. And I would I would hand on heart love another centre back, as well as Starfelt. But you know, we'll see. <laughs> So, man of the match for the game. Give us your top three performers, John, and who would be your man of the match. So, work your way up to third best, second best man of the match. Mm. All right. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I'll say uh, third best uh, would be Murray for me. I, like, I, I agree, didn't do anything wrong, got all the basics right, much like when Welsh came in. Um, just wasn't, uh, like, outstanding, but didn't do anything wrong. Uh, and then I'm gonna go Christy. Uh, I thought I thought he had a good game, um, which surprised me. But he seemed to have flash of his old self back. 
Uh, and then my man of the match was a batter because I think scoring on your debut at Zoe Park has just gives you the man of the match. Liam? Yeah, I would say it's difficult to pick out one player, but in no particular order. I thought for his first official game as captain, Callum McGregor had a very solid game. He deserves a good shout for that. I thought Welsh really stepped up after Beaton got sent off because you need somebody to marshal the defence and he did his best to do that I think can't fault his effort and the free kick that led to the goal there's no way that was a free kick it was a perfectly good challenge that he made absolutely so, um, there is that too um, yeah and I would I would echo your sentiments with, with Abada um, he was even before he scored his goal every time he got the ball he looked like he could do something and it's been a while since I've seen a, a player at Celtic like that. I'm really looking forward to hopefully in a couple of weeks' time we've got Furuhashi going down one wing and him going down the other. That's going to be really, really good to see. Speed to burn. Look out. <laughs> hey, does um, does he have to quarantine when he comes in? Will he get that athlete's... Decision? We're going to talk about that a bit later, John. But yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. No worries, yeah. <laughs> All right. So for me, my... um. My top three would have been Christie, third best, Calmack, second best. What I loved about him was he didn't have to do Scott Brown's running for him. And don't come at me, people. Bruni, one of my all-time favorites, but I found that when he had Sorrow alongside Calmack last season, he got forward more, he covered more of the pitch. Like There was one play in the game where he's down near the left back. Next thing you know, He's up pressing someone, trying to win the ball back over it where their left back would be. So he's done a diagonal run across the field. So I actually thought it was great to uh, see him buzzing around like he used to under Rogers. And, yeah, well, well should be my man of the match. Yep. Welsh, yeah. That's a good show. So off the back of that game, what are you expecting? I've already said that what I think it'll be in the in the next leg, in the second leg. What are you thinking, John? I think it'd be almost the exact same, to be honest. Um, I think, yeah, same formation, but I think um, Mario will be in for um, Beton, straight in, to be honest. I, I, I'd be shocked if they changed it a lot, to be honest. Um, I don't uh, foresee any transfers coming in and then walking straight into that team straight away anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I would say the exact same. I wouldn't want to change it either, to be honest. That's how I'd go. I hope that we go the way you guys are talking, but I've got a feeling that if Starfelt comes in, he might go in at the expense of Murray for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you're making your big signing of this big international centre-back and then you tell him he's a substitute, that's immediately putting him on the back foot, which is not how you want to handle a new signing. And secondly... And I hope I'm wrong here, but let's just say, for example, we went to Michelin next week. The young boy has a shocker and we lose 4-0. That could end up totally destroying him at Celtic. And you don't, I don't know if... It's one thing to come in and do a good job at, at Celtic Park, but to go to an away game when you're a young player new to the first team and to have that level of responsibility, I don't know enough about the player to know if he's ready for that yet. 
He might well be, and I might be completely wrong, but I just think Ange might rather go with the experience that Starfelt would bring. I laughed at your first comment there, Liam, because, you know, if it's a big signing, you don't want him on the bench. And then I just think back to two seasons ago where Kelmax playing left back, you spent $10 million worth on Paul Golly and Julian. And yeah. And for that game. So that was a Cluj game, wasn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to repeat of that. So <laughs> maybe we do. Maybe he does come straight in. Baptism maybe. of fire. Yeah, get, stru- get stuck in. So you also got a friendly against West Ham on the weekend. Do you think that'll be a run out? Because the Colts are already playing in their league now. Do you think that'll be a... Um, it's the combination of the guys who didn't play a lot of game, get a lot of game time in that game that we just played against Mitchell. And do you reckon it'll just be those guys getting minutes into the legs or do you reckon it'll be a dress rehearsal for the away leg? Probably a bit of both, to be honest. I think um, I think the way that Ange probably plays, it'll just be a dress rehearsal. He will want everybody syncing together and firing um, on all cylinders sort of stuff. Um, I could probably see somebody like Nacham coming in for Sorrow and just uh, experimenting with stuff like that. Maybe getting Griff a run as well because Ayeti came on and it was just it, it was invisible to be honest. Um, so yeah, I would maybe a couple of those type of fringe players, but I would say that the because West Ham's a good side, so you, I reckon he'll probably want to test them against somebody a bit better than Richland as well. West Ham are a good couple of weeks behind us in training as well, though we need to remember. So we're playing them at the at the right time, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, the return so, of Davey to Parkhead. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All I have to say him. is, if Edward plays in this game and goes out and bangs in a hat trick, those rumours of them lining up a bid for him could actually come to fruition in the same way we're hearing a lot about Brighton being linked with Edward because they're in Scotland at the moment playing a friendly against Rangers. So, yeah, there's a lot of those rumours at the moment. Just wait for the Eddie to West Ham stuff and, and or Christy to West Ham to just start ramping up, especially when it doesn't look like Lingard's going back to West Ham. So they might look for something on the cheap. If they want to give us cash plus Yarmolenko, they can have him. That boy's a star. <laughs> I mean, like there might be some truth in both Brighton and West Ham. They, they might have sent scouts over. Do you know what I mean? Whilst they're up and how do, how do we look? That's probably where these things come from. But I think most big teams, or no, most teams in big leagues do that, don't they? They probably just take advantage of situations and watch as many people as they can. That's what most clubs do. Like, if you have a look back few years way back when we're playing away against uh, Croatia Zagreb or Dinamo Zagreb, we see this guy by the name of Mark Baduka running around there, Celtic sign him. You go a few years, a few years ago now, Rangers are playing against some Croatian team and they sign Barisic and, and Kadic from them. So teams, realistically, we should be looking at Mitchell and going, okay, we beat them, we go through. Do they have anyone that would fit in with what we want? and then scout them a bit further. And then that's you build your talent pool and you, you you know potential people you could go and sign, whether it's now, six months, 12 months, 18 months down the track. That's what yep. anyone with an organised recruitment department would do. But do we have that at Celtic? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Do you know who did look good? I thought at Michelin's that Paulinho lad. Don't know if you remember. Mm. I think he was attacking mid or maybe a winger. But yeah, that'd be somebody you'd probably want to strengthen your squad with. But yeah, we need a left winger, don't we? Uh, yeah, I think we need lots of players, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I, just on that one. I just deliberately said that one to tie into bring in Awood Mobile, <laughs> bring in another Aussie. Yeah. I think that might happen one day. Bring in a couple of Aussies over to Scotch football. Liam's getting his Japanese fix at Celtic. I need another Aussie. Can't just be Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> How's Azani doing these days? Who knows? At the Olympics, Liam has to keep an eye on him. I should bring, reckon bring him back. Well, actually, talking about the Olympics, another one that's going to be playing for Japan is this boy Itakura, the centre half, the Japanese centre half that we've been linked with. Mm. So, interesting to see what he does. Yeah, interesting to see what he does. When's there's three guys in the Japanese Olympic team we've been linked with? Then mm. Tanaka, Itakura, and the other guy I can't remember it. I'm off the top of my head. Aye, but winger. Itakura's definitely the best of the three. I think if we're Plus, the fact that he's already in Europe means that he's acclimatised to the the way of life here, which would be better as well. Get it done. Get, Get it done. done. All right, so jumping into our next topic. If things go away in the next leg and we beat Michelin, our opponent will be the winner of PSV or Galatasaray. Who would you rather out of those two and why, John? Oh, um, that's a really tough one. Those are, um, I, I would say they're probably so extended, but maybe not right now. I'd probably take Galatasaray, to be honest. I just think maybe they're slightly weaker of the two, but that is not a very well-informed <laughs> opinion. Mm. Like I, <laughs> I ain't watching Turkish League and neither I'm watching Dutch League, so... Um, yeah, I think just on reputation, I'd rather Galatasaray, but I understand their fans are fucking mental, so maybe we'll just avoid that away trip. You couldn't do it anyway, but then you can't, the fans can't go to the away games yeah. anyway. Yeah. That's not the issue. Yes, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, like I say, I, maybe the Turkish league generally just on reputation is a bit weaker than the Dutch, so I would probably say that Galatasaray is um, the team I would take there. But I think it would be good if we get through, to be honest, guarantee ourselves European football. I mean, it's important to remember they're both big names, but they are not the teams that we remember from 15, 20 years ago that were in the in the Champions League every year. They are currently looking through a similar thing to Celtic. They are, they are shadows of the former selves in, in some ways. Um, I would actually probably prefer PSV for the simple reason that it's a shorter trip. And we're going to have a lot of fixture congestion. And I, would, I think a one-hour flight over to Holland is a lot easier than a five- or six-hour flight over to Turkey. You know, um, Plus, there's the element of the potential for fan trouble, whatever. I don't know what the COVID situation is in Turkey, but their president doesn't seem like the most liberal guy. So I'm guessing he's probably thinking, ah, oh, to hell wait, let everybody go to the game. Um, so I imagine it could be quite chaotic over there and probably best avoided. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at it going, 
I actually did think of what you said, Liam. If we had PSV, it's quicker travel and the the weather would be similar or not as not as big a jump for our guys. You because in the middle of next month, so why would you want to go to Turkey, right down the Mediterranean in August when it's gonna be filthy hot over there and our guys aren't gonna be uh acclimatized for that. So however, I still would rather Galatasaray for the simple fact that they're an older team and yes, they've got that veteran side of it. But the speed that Ange has our guys playing at, I actually think that would probably work more in our favour than us Connie's PSV. Yeah, I would agree with that quite possibly. Can I just Tough say, one. guys, I'm proud of us that we had a conversation about Turkish, possibly going to Turkey, and nobody mentioned Midnight Express. Well done, guys. <laughs> I think it's a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, <laughs> if we don't beat Michelin, our Europa League next round opponent would be Jablonek from Czech Republic. I know Both. nothing about them. I don't know very. I know very little about Czech football, other than that their national team is okay, and we got pumped out of Europe last year by a Czech team. So that's pretty much it. So. Any thoughts, boys? No, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> no, yeah, titans of European football. No, like, yeah, okay, that's it. So this is this is we only play these guys if um, we lose to Michelin, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would again purely on reputation and not having any clue about who they are and the like the standard of what they play at. Um, yeah, I would I would expect us to beat them, but I, don't, I wouldn't expect it to be easy. Only because much of these European teams, I mean, if they're playing in Europa League qualifiers, they've got to be up that standard. Do you know what I mean? So, yep. yeah, I think it'd be tough, but I'd expect to beat them. Um, the only thing I know about them is that I did a little bit of checking and none of their players were in the Czech squad for the Euros. So don't draw any conclusions on how good they are based on how good the Czechs were at the Euros. Hmm. Valid point. Yeah, right. well, I mean, it could very much be one of those ones that we just underestimate again, though. I mean, nobody knew who Cluj was before we played them. Oh, they, exactly. Or, so, yep. yeah. yeah, we don't want to be one of those. We don't want it to be one of them. So what we'll do is we will jump ahead now to our next topic, which is the transfer latest. Touched on it earlier, John. I said we'll discuss it later, so we'll come straight back to you about um, a few things. So I mentioned Aya has passed his medical at Brentford. So that's pretty much done. Starfelt is when our game was on, put up an Instagram post. It looks like he's in a, um, a British hotel, got an exercise bike in the background, eating a steak, English um, mineral water or whatever it is is there. He's definitely in the UK. So it looks like he's doing his hotel quarantine ahead of his move. And there was pictures of Furuhashi boarding the plane for London. He's doing the same route that Zange did. So that's what they're saying, into London, isolate there, and then up to up to Glasgow. So that's the latest on those three. Time to get excited, boys. Furuhashi's on his way. Liam, get excited. Mm. Yep. Keep, keep that desk level. 
I don't want to see it raised. <laughs> Hold on a second here, boys. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's um, exciting times. Exciting times. I wonder, would either of them be cleared in time to get a run out against West Ham, do you think? Maybe it's the Yeah, would be close, but for Hashi, I think he's only got to do five days now because of the change of levels. That's mm-hmm. why they held off and let him play that last game in Vissel Kobe because it departs as of Monday. They've changed from red to orange or yellow or whatever it is, which means yeah. it's just five days test and release. So he could potentially be out of quarantine. Say if he left yesterday, probably mm-hmm. arriving there today. So it's that Wednesday. So no, nah, he wouldn't be good by. He probably wouldn't be out of train. He, he wouldn't even be trained until probably Monday next week. Aye. Unlikely to see him at West Ham or Michelin. Or even on the plane for Michelin. But Starfelt could still be added to our squad for that Michelin one because we only added a barter. Because you only do two late addings to your team list. So Mm. that could be an option. But yeah. Exciting times. We've got a centre back and a winger slash forward who can play anywhere across the front four. It's happening. It's happening slowly. But yeah, I, I think the perfect comment there, John, it ties into the next thing that we're going to discuss, which was Andrew's comments about Celtic hesitating in the transfer market. I can yes. read the quotes and then we can discuss that if you would want. Okay. Because I don't want it to be, you know, misinformed on what Ange actually said. So is the wording of what he actually said was, we probably hesitated a couple of times and it could have moved faster on some things. That hasn't helped us. In normal circumstances, these processes are fairly straightforward. Get a player, sign him, take him on a plane, take a photo and away he goes. That process is now taking two to three weeks. That's where we've got to move a little bit more precisely, understand there's going to be lag time and move a bit quicker. It's a constantly evolving picture. What I do know is we need to bring in a certain number of players. It doesn't take a genius to figure out. When I look at the squad, we are still very light in areas, just for depth more than anything else. If we want to challenge on all fronts, we need a strong squad. At the moment, I don't have that. So that's his quote on him saying that we're hesitating. You made a good point when we were in our group chat and we were discussing before, John, about the way that's being twisted and flipped in the media. Yes. So. I'd love to hear your take on that. Well, um, so that uh, the listeners understand what I'm talking about, um, what's been uh, commented on a couple of Celtic blogs and stuff is the fact that Scottish mainstream media are taking, especially the Daily Rangers and, and you know those rags like the Sun and stuff, taking snippets of what he's said there instead of the, the actual substance of what he's trying to say and uh, twisting it in such a way that seems as if Ange is now all, already going up against the board already having these, you know, um, battlefields with mem- the, the scouting department and stuff. And it's just, it's just nonsense because he's absolutely correct. And I don't think anybody at Celtic thinks otherwise. I think he's, he's just saying we need players in. It's taking a little bit too long and it doesn't take an absolute genius to work out what type of place that we need. So, I, I, yeah, that's just Scottish media for you altogether. That's just what, that's what British media is like, right? So, um Listen to the listen to more fan media. You know, read more about what fans are saying. Although it's still biased, at least it's fairer to the, the team that we support. Um, yeah, I, and 
directly to what Andrew was saying. Yes, we do. We need, I hope he doesn't eventually get frustrated because that's, you know, welcome to Celtic Ange. That's something that we've always been doing over recent years is taking a hundred years to be buying players and stuff. So what, I, what I'd love to see is um, him recognizing we are quite weak in our analyst department and quite weak in our scouting department and tries to dedicate or convince the board to dedicate some money towards expanding that. Because I believe we only have three scouts. I think I remember reading that or somebody saying that previously, but we have three actual scouts. So I would really like to see that grown into more and more analysts and a bigger department. Well, it has to happen, John, because Don McCoy, when he came into that press conference with fan media and everyone else, they're talking about making Celtic world-class and that him and Andrew are going to sit down and see what the situation is and how they need to grow and expand it. So realistically, at the moment, there's all this talk about Ange not having his own staff and there's only three scouts and we're working off an old run sheet or people whose contacts we are, that sort of stuff on which players we're going to sign. By a barter, said in his intro thing, when did you hear about the move? And he was told, oh, it was about two weeks ago. That ties in perfectly with what Ange is saying. Why? Oh, we need a winger. Dudu Darhan, do you have anyone for us? That's the old mate sort of connection there. So mm-hmm. if Don Mackay is going to keep his word and grow it the way we need to, and Ange is probably having them discussions with him. And he's saying, we need to bring in two or three more scouts. We need to bring in a couple of analysts. We need to bring in more strength and conditioning coaches and sports scientists and all this sort of stuff. That all has to happen. But in the here and now, we need players in because that's going to make everything work better. Because if we don't get these players in, we're not going to get the results. We're not going to get the build-up that we need. And then Andrew's going to start copping it from fans who are like going, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's out of his depth. So priorities are more like, let's get the first team sorted and then set that up in the background. Hmm. What's your take, Liam? Now, you guys know Ange, his personality, ever probably better than I do. But what I would say is that I don't really think, I said, first of all, be prepared. This is going to be the Scottish media's modus operandi for the next year. Every time, Ange is a, a guy who, to me, who, who speaks his mind and calls it like it is and how he sees it truly. And that's something I like about the guy already, just from the limited interviews I've seen with him. And the Scottish media are going to are going to choose to interpret everything he says that isn't 100%, I can smell on the roses, that it's an attack on the board or it's an attack on the way Celtic operate, or it's an attack on the fact that he doesn't have good enough players. And it's not. It's just a guy being honest in his appraisal of the situation at that time. So be prepared for a lot more of this crap coming our way in the next year or so. That's one point number one. Point number two, I don't think we're really going to get a clear picture of how much of these delays to getting transfers over the line is down to Celtic's incompetence at whatever level and how much of it is down to clubs and players being a bit greedy with the asking price, both for contracts and for transfer fees, and how much of it is down to COVID. 
because there's all these factors combining stuff. I mean, right, we keep talking about him, but Furuhashi, did any of us see that coming? No. It no. was just Friday afternoon last week, boom, there you go, we've just signed the number one prospect in the J-League. Right? You were the one who told us, Liam, and then we just yeah. talked everywhere. And then... that, but that was yeah. it. I literally picked up my phone and I'm like, oh, Vassell Kobe, I've sold somebody to Celtic. And that was it. That was and the first I heard of it. And we dropped that and all sorts of kicked off about an hour or two after the fact. And yeah, off that, and it was great. It was, it was a good one. We got, I'll be honest, not, the, the Celtic out of the Twitter account picked up about 400 followers from Japan that day. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, boys. I did get mildly aroused at the fact that I scooped the daily record by about eight hours. That was that was a nice, nice feeling. <laughs> Purely because I could read two lines of Japanese on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, brilliant. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing. Different deals have gone through in different ways. Clearly the Furuhashi one happened very quickly, however it happened. That was done within a few days. Abada, like he said, it took a couple of weeks. It might that's have been, not entirely down to Celtic, I don't think. It might have purely been um, Furuhashi was Ange's recommendation and, and he pushed it. And that was a, that's the type of transfer that Ange wants to do. That's Done. what we need a few days. to do. Sorry, John, but if he's got that knowledge of Japan, he's got to go like, I need a player at this position. I know a guy who can do it. The only other clubs looking at him are ones from Belgium and Holland. We've got to go now because if we don't do something in this exact moment, my contacts over there are telling me that in a week's time, he's going to be off somewhere else. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And, and that's yep. because we'll have those contacts. So hopefully, maybe, maybe, look, we might not see Ange's exact plan playing out this transfer window and I'd be dead surprised if we did um, but you know it's the beginning of the Ange era we'll see it coming and it looks promising we're getting the right type of players in that we you know don't know much about but you know that's kind of uh, Celtic's method isn't it potentially buying players that we're not really aware of yet the turn up the turn out to be quite good um, and you know that this way that Ange's playing as well is, looks dead promising so yeah patience we'll get there I think Mm. And the Here's last a adapt adapt one for you just to think about before we move on. Do you think do you think Ange is going to give anybody the number seven shot? Huh. Nah, <laughs> I don't. I don't see him doing that. But yeah. I'm just no, I, was thinking, yeah. I was thinking you could see that happening for one simple reason: shirt sales in Japan with that number at our club. Pretty much, Celtic fans will buy pretty much any shirt with a seven on the back. I think it was mm. Miku or whoever wore it. Uh, and I know about six or seven people in Australia who have a Miku 7 shirt. <laughs> I know about another five, probably another five or six people again who have a Robert 7 shirt. <laughs> Anyone who gets that shirt, you're going to do it. You're going to be, it's going to sell within the Celtic support. Then put that in Japan as well. Mm, it could work. Yeah, I would disagree purely because if Celtic are looking to sell big volumes of shirts in Japan, they're going to want two numbers on the shirt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But a nine, then let's give the ten shirt to what's his name to Furuhashi, and mm-hmm. Griffiths can go to Sunderland. There you go, sorted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Problem solved. Griff can get the seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Griff can go to Sunderland. Last topic before we start wrapping up the podcast. 
Liam, you spotted this one and told us to yeah. add it to the list, but the Celtic women's team have become the first UK-based team to or club to sign a Chinese player. So we welcome Sheng, Shen Mingyu to the club. Mm. Your thoughts, yeah. Liam? Um, good move by, by Celtic, uh, Chinese international. Don't know much about her as a player, but it's certainly a good uh, good profile booster for us. And um, another interesting thing I noted, actually, is that my, my, my sports subscription here in Japan actually has the Women's Champions League as an event they're going to be covering this season. So I wonder if uh, if Celtic have made some signings on the back of some money coming in for that, because I know we have qualified for the Women's Champions League, and that'll be, that'll be interesting. Um, let's just hope she's she's more Zheng Zhi and less Du Wei, you know? Got anything to add on that one, John? Um, look, not much. I think it's good that we... Um, are doing we're looking in different markets and i think the women's team is having more success than the men's right now so good on them um yeah I, I'm, I'm yeah like i say i'm pleased that we're just chopping around in different markets and 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 for marketing purposes i don't know how big women's football is in china um don't know much about china full stop actually but yeah i, I who knows it could potentially do some marketing over there who china's knows? women's team will win the world cup before their men's team will put it that way yeah right <laughs> Men's <laughs> team, or are they all conscripts in the in the army? Uh, that's another <laughs> anyway, story. Moving along, yes. We're, we're going to um before we finish the pod, just want to uh, thank everyone for listening. And if you have not subscribed already, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast through your podcast app. You can also find us on YouTube. We got our channel there, Celtic Down Under. So please also subscribe to that. We're trying to build up our base there as well, so that. We do some live shows. We did one last weekend. We want to try and do one of them a month sort of thing over this season. So, yeah, you can subscribe to that. We'd really appreciate it. So, John, we'll start with you. Your final thought for the, for the week. Yes, final thought. Um, before that train picks me up, um, I would just say <laughs> uh, patience is a virtue. I would. Uh, the and era has just begun. It's game one, guys. We'll We'll get there. It's looks looking good, but just patience. I will echo that by saying that in my final thought, this is the most excited I've been about a Celtic team for quite a while. It's not all coming together yet, but when it does, it is going to be glorious. I um I think Ange is going the right way. He's got us playing a really good brand of football, and I think we're going to take the league by storm next season. I think we're going to well and truly put the Huns in their place and I look forward to it. My final thought is I am not going to quote quote Ronan Keating again. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get that, watch our live show on YouTube. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks again. So for what me. you're saying, Jared, is you say it best when you say nothing at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <No comment. laughs> Anyway, everyone, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. hail.